Looks like winter is catching up to us. Going to be a little bit colder tomorrow, uh, and and hopefully uh, you'll stay warm and and well fed this week. This is a wonderful opportunity for us to gather together and worship and and praise God. But there's something else I want to do in addition to giving glory to God. Today's a really really special day, and you may not know that it's not Valentine's Day, guys. So you're you're off the hook on that. Uh, it's not Thanksgiving, though that's around the corner. It's not my birthday, but November 26th is, so you can mark that down. This is much, much bigger than all of those. This is Veterans Day. And maybe we've forgotten, but there are people who have in our past, and still to this very day, are sacrificing for our freedom, the freedom that we have to come here and worship and be a part of what I feel is the greatest country in the world. It's wonderful that we're here. Elections aside, whatever you believe or don't believe, we live in a wonderful country. And we owe an unbelievable debt of gratitude to our veterans. And so we're going to ask uh, for just a moment, I have a couple helpers, if you'll uh, turn on those mics and stand up. If you are a veteran, I want to ask if you would please stand right now. If you are a veteran, do we have any veterans here? We have several veterans. There you go, Dennis. I knew you would stand up. Okay, I want all our veterans to stand up. Jacob and Wyatt, if you would scour, if y'all would start over here with these two gentlemen. We're going to ask if you would tell us your name, the branch of service that you were in, when you served, and where you served. If you would do those four things. And once you've done that, if you would sit down so our boys know um, who's going to be, who else to give the microphone to. My name is Patrick Cagle, served in the United States Marines from 1982 to 1989. Uh, Served everywhere. Wherever they sent me, I went. D.A. Cochran served in the U.S. Navy, uh, 46 through 48, and um, didn't go overseas, but traveled in off the coast several times. Dennis Atherton. I served in the United States Army uh, from 1967 through 1972. Uh, served in various uh, areas. The most traumatic was Vietnam, 70-71. I commanded an armored cavalry troop in Vietnam. Hi, I'm not sure, sure what I'm supposed to say. I'm Norm, I'm Norm Raymond. I was in the military. I was in the Army from 1907 to 1960. And my tour duty was at Fort Bliss in Texas. Uh, U.S. Marines, 1953, for two years. 
Barry Love. I was in the U.S. Navy from 1998 to 2004. I served up in Binger, Washington. Uh, I'm going to ask if we do one more thing that's going to... Um Take a little more time and be a little uh, an inconvenience, but I think it's certainly worth it uh, to show honor to these men. I'm going to ask if these men one more time, if you would please stand up. And if you're uh, if you're a veteran, if you all would stand up. I'm going to wait until y'all stand back up again. Uh, let's see. Now, when everybody else, as best as they can, to get close to one of those people, scoot in near them, and I want to offer a prayer on behalf of these men. Let's surround them. Everybody stand up. If you can are able to get close to them, find someone, uh, and let's pray on their behalf. God and Father, we want to thank you so much for the ways that you have blessed your life, blessed our lives, and the greatest way in which you have done so is through the gift of your Son, sending Him down. And one of the things He said before He chose to go onto that cross, He said, no, no greater love has any man than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. These men here today who we are honoring have done just that. They have honored you by laying down their lives so that uh, we may have uh, the opportunity to live in this country. And Lord, we know that while they are miles and years away from a battlefield, Lord, each day they still have struggles that they have to go through as a result of that. And so, Lord, we pray that as a group of people, we continue to lift them up, to pray for them and to support them those who uh, have retired from the service and those young men and women who still continue to serve, may we never forget the sacrifice they have made for they have followed in the footsteps of your son Jesus by being willing to stand up for what they believe in. And in doing so, they have given us rights that we sometimes take for granted. May we not take these men and women for granted for what they have done for us. May you be praised through their efforts. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to honor these men. We do not want to neglect what they have done for us. We gather together for this reason, to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. Uh, We are going to continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Um, and we're, we are going to be talking about uh, the idea of murder. And I'll uh, read this. We're going to be beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 21. But before we do that, I want to reintroduce what's going to be taking place over the next few weeks. We're, we're going to be looking at which is the heart, the body of the Sermon on the Mount... And, and the first section of this uh, begins with these six antitheses. 
that's a hard word to say and an even harder word to define, but basically it's antithesis. It's going against the theme of what's being said. And so these are rebuttals, uh, per se, of Jesus. Now, I want to be careful that before we start thinking that it's Jesus versus Old Testament, it's not. Uh, this is not uh, Jesus uh, against the Old Testament. He does not say, you have heard that it was said, do not murder, but I tell you, murder. Okay, that would be uh, 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 an antithetical statement against the Old Testament. In addition, he's not saying... It has been written. Because in that way, he would specifically be attacking the Old Testament and saying, this is what the Old Testament says, but here's what I say. In fact, the words that he uses, the phrase that he uses, that you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, or it has been said, or you have heard that it was said. These are phrases that were commonly spoken by rabbis of that time. See, they believed they could build their case on what other patriarchs, other father figures, other rabbis had said. And so when they would get into an argument or a debate, they would say, it has been said by this rabbi, or by this father, or by this leader, that you're supposed to do this. And that was, that was kind of putting an emphasis on their statement. And so Jesus was following that manner when He was saying, it has been said. You have heard that these guys have said this. But then Jesus does something that no rabbi would do or dare to do. He follows up that statement with, it has been said, but I say to you. You see, Jesus is now giving Himself the authority that was rightfully given to Him by God, but this would have been blasphemous to these people listening as He said, well, you've heard this, but let me tell you what I say, because what I say is more important than what these other people have said. You see, the problem wasn't with the law that was written. It was with the interpretation of the law. That they had taken and shaken and changed around what was originally intended by God and made it into something it was never meant to be. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to address in these next few chapters. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now Jesus begins off with murder, and it's important that we note, the NIV it seems to correctly interpret this. He is not saying do not kill, because we understand from other Old Testament passages that God ordained that war would have to take place and that it was necessary for a country uh, to fight for their freedoms. It also talks about capital punishment. This is not saying that we should never kill someone. This is saying do not murder 
which was different. This was going after someone in vengeance or in anger or in retribution. And so Jesus says, okay, you have heard that it was said, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And they were familiar with that. They they knew what that meant. But they had missed out on the heart of that command by God that says, thou shalt not kill back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, also in Exodus 20. They had missed out on what God really intended for them. You see, they thought that as long as they didn't murder, everything was okay. They could do whatever they want as long as they didn't get over to that line. And Jesus says, that's not how God intended that in the first place. We draw a line and say we're okay with that as long as we don't cross it. He said the real problem isn't just murder. It's being angry with someone. Now we talked about in class on Tuesday, for those of you uh, ladies who attend our Tuesday ladies class, we're studying forgiveness. And of course, one of the things that comes up when forgiveness has to occur is it's prompted by someone uh, who hurt you, and so you feel hurt. And we talked about the idea that you hate in some way, either what happened to you, or we don't want to talk about this, especially on Sunday, but we have emotions of anger and hate. When we get hurt, when we see our loved ones who are hurt, and how do we deal with that? And is it okay to have angry, uh, angry thoughts? And I say yes. If you're a human, if your heart beats, there are going to be times in your life where you feel anger. In fact, I think we should be called to feel angry for the things that happen in this life. There's a, a book that I've, I've started to read called uh, 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 Helping People Without Hurting Them is basically the, the title. And what it's talking about, it opens up with this stat. Three billion people, 40% of, this, of the population of this world lives on less than $2 a day. $2 a day. And the authors go on to say, we should, we should actually have anger for that fact. We should be prompted to do something. It's almost impossible. I don't know that I've gone any day without spending $2. And here every single day, 3 billion people. It's that anger against injustices that take place in this world that can lead us on to something better. It's the anger against living in an abusive house that says, I want to get out of this. And that anger fuels you to go somewhere away from that lifestyle and to live away from that cycle. To choose to be the one who breaks out and says, I'm not going to have any part of that. The anger that's talked about here, I want to read this, comes from... Dr. Sellers Crane, in this book, Truth for Today Commentary, it's on Matthew, the first half of it. It says, two types of anger are described in the New Testament. The first Greek word, thumos, is the kind of anger which quickly flares up and just as quickly dissipates. The Greek word, orge, is the kind of anger that is long-lived, nursing and brooding over real or imagined 
injuries. Obviously, it is the second kind that Jesus was forbidding, the kind that will not forgive or forget. It lingers on refusing to be pacified and continuing to search for a way of revenge. This type of anger does not work with the righteousness of God. You see, what Jesus was really trying to remind the people is, it's not just putting down your knives and stones and not murdering. It's about what goes a little bit deeper than that. And so I I took a trip over and visited the guys next door, and they loaned me some of this, and I want to use this as an example this morning. There we go. I think this is an appropriate way to describe our spiritual lives in some way. And this is definitely how the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time, they would have this line. They had these laws that says you can't do these things, you can't do these things, you, you can do these things, but only on this time. So they had these laws, so they created this line. And for today's purposes, we're going to say this is the line of murder. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. So they said, okay, we cannot murder. Murder is wrong, and it's bad, and it's evil, and it's not good. Okay, those are what murder is. And I'm not going to have any part of murder. Okay. So, if that's the line here, then as long as I don't murder, I'm really okay with that. I mean, I can get close to it. But as long as I don't cross it, I'm okay. I can get right up to here, and I'm still a good Jewish leader, believer, follower of God, of Yahweh, as long as I don't cross this line. I can hate everybody. It's okay. I can be mad at you. I can hit you. I can spit on you, as long as I don't murder you. This comes into play several times. Anybody remember how many times Paul was uh, was whipped. You know how many lashes he got? 39. Why did he get 39? Because 40 was the death sentence. And they don't, they don't murder people. So they gave the 40 minus 1. We're not going to give 40 because that would be wrong. But we can give 39. That's okay. We can get right up on here. We can get as close as we want to. As long as we don't cross that line, we're okay. How, how about Jesus being crucified? Why didn't the Jews do it? Because by law, they weren't supposed to. So instead, they get this, this mock uh, judgment going, and the Romans do their dirty work for them. And they say, you know what, we didn't murder, we just took Jesus in and, and lied and perjured, but that, that's not important. We didn't kill him, so as long as we didn't pass that line, we're okay. You know, we, we create these lines all the time. One of my favorites is in the backseat of the car when you're on a long trip. And you have the kids in the, in the back seat. And, and they start these arguments. I mean, I'm, I know that none of y'all have ever, and certainly not your kids. But somebody else's kids have had the argument of, he's touching me. 
And so what do you do? You create that imaginary line right in the middle of the sea that says, Wyatt, you cannot cross that line. Lillian, you cannot, you cannot cross. And you know what they do? They get as close as they can to that line without touching it. I mean, there can't be just a, a millimeter between their finger and that line. And they're, I'm not touching, I'm not, I'm not passing that line. He's breathing my air! I've heard that. Stop breathing my air! And that's when I cross the line. <laughs> You know, but, and we laugh, but that doesn't stop when we're kids. It keeps on going. Teenagers. This is a line that, that we, we created. I don't know why, but somewhere we got the idea that, you know what, we're supposed to be sexually pure. And there is a line that we are not supposed to cross. And as long as we don't cross that line, we're okay. We are okay, and we can get as close as we want to that line, and as long as we don't cross it, that's okay. We do it in our lives and spiritually. You see, when God made that law, it's not because He wanted people to put down their swords. It's because it was an issue of the heart. When God said don't murder, it wasn't just so He could prolong the life of some people. What he really meant was love and care for other people. Quit being angry at them. Quit backbiting and gossiping, slashing their tires. Quit doing those things. And we think, well, we're, we're good Christians. We don't do any of those things. And while I don't know that there's anybody in this room who has murdered... How many of you have been angry with someone? I'm going to raise my hand. I I won't make you do it, but I'm going to raise my hand. I've done it. I I have been there. I've, I've been there and in my mind I have thought all the ways that I would love to humiliate the person who hurt me. That I would love to go back and relive that situation I'd love to go back and tell them what I really think. Have you ever done that where somebody said something, you walked away and, oh, I wish I would have said this and I wish I would have said that. And then you keep replaying that over and over and over in your mind and you don't have to pick up a revolver and you don't have to load the gun and you don't have to have some kind of plan or an escape route how you're going to murder somebody. But in your mind, you're thinking how you wish you could hurt them or how you wish you could humiliate them, how you wish that all their friends would walk away and their house would cave in and their car would break down and they would be stuck on the side of the road and as you roll by in your car, you roll down the window and you say, Ha! You deserve that! Or maybe I'm the only one who's thought that. You see, Jesus is telling us that following Him... It's not just actions. It's the heart. That it's how we love other people and we choose to forgive them. And we use the anger that we have to fuel us to become better people and to break the cycles that we often find ourselves in. There's a little confusion to this next section. It says, again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, is in danger of the fires of hell. Uh, 
In the Greek, it, it's not real clear what raka means. Uh, although it seems to be indicating that there is some kind of um, critique, some kind of, I'll use the word slam, that's what we use these days. In some way to make fun of someone uh, intellectually. To talk about it's an, it's, they're ignorant or they're stupid. That's, that's what Raka seems to indicate. Morose is the Greek word for fool. And that's less of a head issue and that's more of a heart issue. Now, I, I don't know that in any way Jesus is saying, hey, it's okay to make fun of people as long as you're saying that they're dumb. That's not where he's going here. He's saying these are the laws that the Sanhedrin is going to look out for. If you're going to go around insulting people, be prepared. But he says, but anyone who says you fool. And basically what you're saying is, when you call someone a fool in in the morose sense, that's actually the word uh, from which we get moron. That if you call someone a fool in the sense that um, they are incapable of salvation, that not only are you giving that indictment towards them, but Jesus says, hey, if you think you're going to judge them, understand that you yourself are being judged for what you call them. It's been around forever. I don't know who came up with it, but I wish I could find the person. And I'd like to hurt them a little bit. (laughs) Because they came up with the phrase, it's a song, that really bugs me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Did your mom ever tell you that before? Did your mom, oh, sticks and stones may break your, mom, you're wrong. And, the, and when your mom told you that, that was wrong too. And the guy who made that up was wrong. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words hurt. They cut deep. They cause empty seats at Thanksgiving dinner. They cause families to stop talking, friends to go their separate ways, marriages to break up. And Jesus is very clear. He says, listen, for you guys who think that being a good Jewish person is simply about not killing someone, you missed out on who my Father is and what He intends for you. And for those of you who think that I can say certain words and call people certain people different names, that's okay. It's not okay. Basically, he's saying this. And this is, this is what I think we need to get. You see that line over there? You know what God really says about that line? Run. In fact, the word is flee. Ephesians chapter 5 that says, you must not even have a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or debauchery. Not even a hint. Jesus is not saying, just don't cross the line and you're okay. 
He says, run away, run far, far away. If this is the line in which murder is, walk past hatred and anger and revenge and find yourself over here far, far away. Because we got confused sometime long ago and decided you're either one, a Christian, or two, you're not a Christian. You're either a murderer or you're not a murderer. And what Jesus is saying here is it goes deeper than that. If you want to be a follower of me, you got to get away from that line. Get away from murder and lust and adultery. Don't go near it. Stay away from lying. You, you have these oaths and you're not supposed to break them, but I'm telling you, live in such a way that you don't have to make promises because when you say yes, you mean yes, and when you say no, you mean no. Why was it such a big deal that the Sanhedrin would call a, a, to a person account for insulting someone? Back then, that's all they had was their name. That's all they had. You couldn't go back and look at a transcript of what somebody said. You didn't have any way to type it up. There was no video camera that would record what happened. All you had was the testimony of someone else. And if you attacked that testimony and tore them down, then you've ruined their life. Their word is now good for nothing. And that's what they, had a, that's what they made a life of. We don't kill people. We can tear them down because that's not against the law. Jesus is calling us to go deeper. He's calling us not to just avoid these temptations or these actions that are sinful, but let it go to our hearts. For some of you, anger is something that you have made a part of your life. In some ways, it's defined who you are. And it's hard to let go. I've been there. I've, I've lived through a season of hurt, and that hurt led to hate, and I had anger for people. And I can remember one time when I was just distraught, and Jennifer turned to me and she says, Doug, you just have to start praying for that person. And I looked right at her and said, I don't want to. I don't want to pray for that person. I don't want them... To get better. I don't want life to become good for them after what they did to me. Is that really fair? And all the time, I never picked up a weapon, but inside I was killing. Really not them as much as myself. I was destroying my own life because I was so angry. And Jesus says, let it go. Don't attack people. You have to forgive so that you can be set free. Stay away from the line. Forget the line. Follow me. And that's the invitation that we have for you this morning. If you choose to follow Jesus, we want to encourage you to come now as we stand and sing.